There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, whether you're listening on 107.9 WRFA right here in Jamestown or you're listening to the Power Chord Hour podcast, I am your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you with another episode. And I got to say, it is nothing short of an absolute honor and pleasure right now. Today on the show, we have writer, professor, and punker himself, Mr. Greg Graffin of Bad Religion. And uh, Greg is back with a brand new book. This time he's written a memoir, and the new book is called Punk Paradox. And by the time you hear this, it is out everywhere for your enjoyment. So let's talk books, music, and more with Greg. Greg, how are you? Great. Thanks for that uh, amazing introduction, but I didn't hear the roars of the uh, in-studio audience <laughs> clapping. So I mean, you don't I, you don't have a you don't have the Howard Stern um, um, it, engineers at your disposal, huh? No, we don't. You know, WRFA does not have the Howard Stern budget, sadly. Though uh, you're, ma- <laughs> you're making me think that I might have to uh, request that for future uh, interviews. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, let's start. I mean, again, the main, you know, the big thing right now is Punk Paradox, which I've had a chance to read a little bit of. Haven't finished it, but gotten a few chapters in and really enjoying it. Uh, You know, I mean, let's just start out from the beginning. I mean, how long has this, uh, like, when when did the idea for Punk Paradox start, the idea for writing a memoir? How how long has this project been in the works for you? Well, I just uh, basically, you know, like most musicians, I had two years to think about things because COVID uh, took its toll and uh, basically sidelined all musicians for two years. And uh, I I had written other books before this one, and I decided maybe it's time I revisit some of the history of bad religion. You know, we had recently uh, celebrated our 40th year anniversary. And uh, I thought maybe I could revisit some of this, given the fact that another book came out that sort of detailed the chronology of bad religion called Do What You Want. That book came out uh, in 2020. It was written by Jim Ruland, a friend of the band. And that book had this really elaborate chronology where it just sort of told all the events of our history. But what was lacking uh, in my opinion, was sort of the more humanistic side of how it felt to go through those events. And so I chose a specific portion of that chronology, namely uh, the years when my partner, my songwriting partner, Brett, left the band and then rejoined the band about five years later. And I wrote extensively on that period because I thought that Number one, it was an interesting part of my own life, but number two, the fans, I thought, would really enjoy seeing uh, some of what was going on in Bad Religion during that time. That was the time when we actually, many, many fans discovered Bad Religion during that period because that was when we um, went out on tour at the end of that period with Blink-182. And, of course, Blink-182 was... Uh, one of the biggest bands in the country at the time. They grew up on Bad Religion, and uh, they took us out on tour. I, I do have to tell you, I mean, and I, I was reading the uh, the book, like, 
I got probably the first five or six chapters in and I did jump around a little. And I do have to tell you, I, I had quite a good laugh at, uh, I, I believe it might be chapter 25 on the story of uh, hearing Damn It on the radio. I, w- I won't give anything away if you don't just read it. <laughs> I had a really good laugh at that. I got to tell you, I, I was like, where is this going? And then I kept reading and I'm like, oh, there we go. And uh, yeah, I, I had quite a good laugh at that part. Yeah, well, that that the connection to uh, no effects uh, for those listeners who are knowledgeable, they will uh, find that uh, story unmistakable. Yeah, I I I believe so. And uh, and I mean, again, I mean, fans of fans of punk rock, this is a this is a great book. I don't think I have to really tell anyone that. But I, I wanted to talk to you too, because I mean, yeah, this is far from your first book. I mean, you you've definitely done more than enough writing in your life. But I mean. This I feel like, you know, normally it's more about like science, religion or, you know, kind of kind of things of that subject or topic. This one's a lot more personal. I mean, this is you kind of writing, I feel like, more personally of your life. Now that you haven't injected that in other books, but I mean, this one very much just you kind of, you know, stating the facts and what has happened and with the band and your life and everything. Like, I was kind of interested in this. Like, did you find it more easy or more difficult when you're writing candidly about yourself and your own life and experience over, say, a book where you have a topic or a subject and, you know, I mean, maybe you can inject your personal life. You can always choose how much or how little to throw in there. You know, I mean, is this style of writing, I mean, was it harder, easier doing it this way? No, what's, the, what's very difficult is to make uh, your story um, relatable. You know, you, everyone can tell a story about themselves, but to make it relatable to a broad, to a broad audience is difficult. So if you're only, you know, if you're only writing, um, you know, about things that, you, you know, you think you're so great about, like it's very easy to get self-absorbed, but if you want to relate to people on a broad scale, you have to find common elements and, uh, really be true, uh, with your own experience. And remember memory is flawed. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect snapshot of what happened it's just what your senses you know what lingers in your sensation that you can write about and you have to find a way to turn those sensations into a common thread that the reader will find interesting and that can be very challenging and uh you know for my own story uh putting the family uh, elements, which the first chapters are devoted to my upbringing before bad religion. And, you know, trying to relate that to the cultural um, elements that you find in punk music, you know, the subculture of punk, when my, you know, I was raised in a family before there was punk, like <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to make that relatable is very difficult. So, um, but I think it's interesting once the reader um, steps back and looks at the, what they just read, they, it, it's, it, there is a story there that says, you know, punk has always celebrated the outsider. And I think that's part of why the punk genre has so much persistence. That's why it's been around for so long, because ultimately we all are outsiders in many ways. And that's why I found uh, so much comfort in the punk genre. You know, you you were just kind of saying it too with like, you know, writing writing something like a memoir and stuff. Like, 
you know, it, it is memory and it is going back and, you know, trying, trying to remember things and everything the way they happen. Like I have, I've never written a memoir, but from an outsider's perspective, that seems like the hardest part is getting things in like chronological order making sure you remember them correctly and all that. I mean, is that, was that the biggest like hurdle or difficulty in writing a memoir? Or was there anything else that kind of came up when you were writing it that you really didn't expect? Like, oh, I really, you know, obviously you've written before, but like you really weren't expecting writing this one for it to be as difficult or challenging. Were, were there any hurdles like that while writing it? No, the chronology I didn't get to uh, mired in because I, you know, the chronology is, uh, my memory is fairly good at chronology. But the hardest thing, as I said, uh, was the relatable parts, you know, making sure that it, it's uh, interesting to the reader. And so I think that's what I struggled the most with. I want to, you know, I want to talk to, I mean, in those in those early, I mean, I, I love it because just right away in the book, I mean, you are you are talking about your early days and stuff. And it's like right from the get go, there's action. And it's so it's so interesting for me. I mean, I, I was not there to see punk, you know, back in a, back in the day, like you were. And I mean, reading it just, you know, the hostility you got for being punk, the violence towards punk. I mean, just like walking down the street and things like that, you know, you really paint like a really great picture in the book and everything and really kind of puts you back there. But I was like wondering, do you like remember it all when things started to shift or people became less of a target for being punk? Like, I mean, did you did you kind of see that shift at all? Was there a change, or I mean, did that just kind of slowly over time things maybe became more acceptable, just kind of slowly? Yeah, I think I described that in the in the sense that, as you pointed out, uh, that pivotal chapter when Blink One Eighty Two was on the radio. You know, once the radio mainstream radio started playing bands, we can include Green Day and The Offspring and those those bands that really were mainstream um they all cited punk rock as like their biggest influence and so i think that's when the culture started to recognize the value of punk and it's the value was that uh the songs were great these are just great songs the music is great it doesn't have anything to do with the anarchy and the rebellion and the uh, fucking shit up. Oh, I can't say that. Sorry. Oh, I can censor um, it. <laughs> <laughs> it had, had less to do with the nihilism and the violence and way more to do with the great music and the music itself made you think it made you dance and it made you excited to be part of that subculture. And that's when I felt it lifting the stigma of being uh, you know, in a punk band outside of punk rock. I mean, you know, another great thing in the book is, is reading like your, your earliest musical exposures, you know, which weren't punk rock. Obviously we were talking about too. I mean, punk didn't exist at that time. And like really seeing the artists you mentioned that had an impact growing up and, you know, all, all those original ones for you and got you into music. So I'm like wondering, like decades later, like, do you still feel like you derive influence? Like, I know you talked like Simon and, Simon and Garfunkel, Roberta Flack, Johnny Cash, Stevie Wonder. I know you said the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack was huge for you. Like, do you still as a musician when you're writing now? Can you still hear any of that early stuff influence you anyways? Do you feel like it still creeps into your music this uh, far in? Or, you know, did those kind of stay as early influences for you? No, those were incredibly influential because they were great. They were timeless classics. 
And that's still the stuff that motivates me today. Um, that's not to say that other music hasn't come along since that time. It's also inspiring. But um, in terms of the earliest memories I have of what moves me uh, emotionally, um, those are still very alive uh, when I write a new song. For you, you know, I mean, again, like I know I know, I keep talking about writing, but I mean, you do so much of it. I mean, you write lyrics, you write books, you know, you do academic writing, like you, you do a whole lot of different writing. And like, I just wonder, like, do you do you feel like all of it comes from the same creative place? You have to put yourself in a creative, a different like mindset or headspace if you're writing a book versus if you're writing lyrics or something like that. Like, does, does, it, does the nature of what you're writing change kind of where you have to put yourself in your head or is it all kind of the same thing is there just kind of a writing mode for you and that's what works for everything you're doing well i mean there are certain uh it's it is it is a a workmanlike craft to write a song you know you, there is it's work involved in it so so there is like techniques there are uh ways to build the song and, uh, you know, to start with uh, a simple chord progression or maybe a, a good idea. But the cool thing about it is it's not written in stone. So sometimes you can be just motivated um, by what you're seeing or smelling at the time. <laughs> and that can, that can trigger a completely new approach to a song. So... Uh, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, um, it's a free for all, but it is, um, you know, making music is something that you have to remain open minded when you're writing because otherwise it's just a formula. And that is something that I think the fans can recognize. Do you do you ever find it difficult, like jumping from one another, like the style of writing you're doing, like so per se? You're writing lyrics, you're in lyric writing mode, you're doing bad religion stuff. Do you find it hard to then jump over and try to write, you know, maybe try to write a couple, uh, you know, chapters for a book or anything like that? Or is that not hard to kind of jump back and forth on on what you're working on? No, definitely. I have to stay in one mode and complete the project. It, it gets really um, disheveled if I try to jump back and forth. So there'll be entire months that I only devote to songwriting or entire months that I devote to academic work. And that's just the part of the juggling act that, that when you're multitasking professionally, you, you, you can't do it on a day-to-day -day basis. It takes large chunks of time. <clears throat> I was kind of, I was thinking about this too, like when it, when it, I don't know, like when you've when you've kind of stepped away for a while, when you haven't written lyrics for a while, or you haven't worked on a book. Like I know this is your first book in a in a while. Like, do you do you notice if one is harder than the other to get back to if you haven't done it in a while? Meaning, like, you know, is there more rust to shake off for if you're if you haven't written a book per se for a while and you're going back to writing versus you know if it's been a while since you wrote lyrics and it's time to get back on? Does does one ever? is one more difficult than other to kind of get back in the groove of things for you? Yeah. Occasionally it can be that way with songs or books. Um, but you know, I can say that this book, I didn't feel that constrained. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a difficult book to write. Um, you know, my last one population wars was a more difficult book 
to write. And, uh, you know, I have the same feeling about certain songs. Some songs are were really easy and some songs I struggled with for what, literally months. Do you, are you someone like with songs too, like, can you tell pretty early on if it's time to abandon ship or if it's worth salvaging, you know, can you, can you tell pretty early on in the song if it's worth your time or does it kind of take a while to realize like, you know, this is, this is something we should keep going on. You know, you know what I mean by that? Oh yeah. No, there's times that, um, I've written large amounts of lyrics and, and recorded music that'll never see the light of day. <laughs> I just, you come to a point where you realize this, this is not going to cut it. So that's, it ends up on the scrap heap. Are you, and I'm always interested in this. And in, again, like you write all the time. Sometimes people will say like, just write no matter what, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Just keep that, like, you know, keep that part of your brain stimulated or whatever. I mean, do you do you kind of do that yourself? You someone who it's important to try to write all the time, whether or not it's actually good or not. I mean, do you do you find yourself doing that almost just an exercise to keep yourself fresh? No, no. I actually I'm very fortunate to be part of a songwriting team. So me and Brett share ideas all the time. We can we've evolved ways of telling each other that that's not going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, actually, like, if you mind talking about it for a second, too, I mean, obviously, you guys are a great songwriting team. I, I'm sure everyone listening to this can agree. You, you've put out some damn fine songs you've written together. What do you, if you had to look at it, and maybe it's hard because you're, you're one of the people doing it, but I mean, what would you credit as to why you and Brett work so well? Why, why songwriting seems to work well with you? Cause some people can, it seems like there's certain artists who they don't work well with others. They don't have that songwriting partner. They got to work by themselves, but you two together, it seems to work. I mean, is there anything that you would credit to that? I don't, maybe cause we grew up together. I mean, you know that we met each other when we were teenagers and that probably has a lot to do with it, but I don't know. We did, you know, there's a mutual respect that, that, uh, that we developed and, you know, if you respect your friends, great things can happen. Greg, just to kind of like let people know, I know we got to, you know, finish this up here, but, uh, as we start approaching 2023, I mean, anything planned in the near future for bad religion that you can talk about? Well, next year, you know, um, we're going to be uh, playing some big shows. We're going to Australia. We're going to Japan. And um, we're putting together our schedule of festival shows in the United States, too. So um, it's a little bit early to talk about them, but um, we're definitely going to be active next year. Awesome. Well, I mean, Greg, again, total, uh, total honor to get to talk to you. People listening to this, Punk Paradox is out now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you got going on right now or anything else we should let people know before I let you go? Nope. Just, uh, you know, look for me when I cross the Desi and Lucy bridge. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how happy that makes me that, you know, Jamestown, New York. I, oh yeah. I am Anthony Merchant talking to Greg Graffin of Bad Religion and his brand new book, Punk Paradox, is out now. If you're listening to the radio show, play a bunch of Bad Religion right now. If you're listening to the podcast, stay tuned. You're listening to the Power Chord Hour. Holy shit. And with that, I can say I have interviewed Mr. Greg Graffin of Bad Religion. I hope you enjoyed that one. I cannot tell you how insanely cool that was. I Honestly, when I reached out to uh, do that interview, 
I I mean, you know, I'm realistic about the uh, size of the power cord hour. We're we're not like a huge show. No, every now and then we will get though some people who I mean, I've, I've had a few guests throughout the years where I go, oh my god, I still can't believe I uh, pulled that. But uh, Greg is Greg is in that realm. But I was so excited when I uh, found out I'd be interviewing him and uh, was just so so stoked on it. And uh, really, really fun getting to talk to Greg Graffin. That was really cool. And uh, he was doing a little press tour. I know. Uh, I know the interview is on a uh, on the shorter side for this show. It's always it's always weird. Um, anytime I do an interview that's under like thirty minutes, I feel like I almost have to say something just because we always do such a uh, you know more long form interviews on here. But uh, Greg was doing a little press tour there for his book, so. Basically, uh, normally you can tell when someone has one of those press tours kind of lined up because our interviews will be a little more on the short side and you'll see me kind of wrapping it up early on. Because trust me, I would have loved to talk to Greg Graffin uh, much longer, but he, he was so cool. That's the other thing is like getting to uh, talk to somebody who you uh, idolized. I mean, I've been listening to Greg's music since I was a teenager. I've been reading his books since I was a teenager and uh, was just absolutely amazing the uh the fact that i get talked to him and also on on a really cool project because i got to tell you um punk paradox which if you're listening to this the day it comes out on monday it actually will be out um tomorrow but um i've had a chance to uh read not i i still have a good chunk of it i gotta read i i i had the i got a copy of uh the book not too long before the uh, interview so i mean i didn't have like you know time to read the whole thing front to back but uh, I got I got a good ways in and then started kind of jumping around from uh, a couple different chapters that I thought might be like, you know, a good place to uh, look up some stuff before the interview. Maybe maybe some uh, chapters that looked interesting where it's like, well, maybe I'll have some questions from there. But um, I got to tell you, one of the coolest things and I knew I knew that Greg lived like kind of near Ithaca, like I knew he kind of lived in that area. I mean, we're in we're in Jamestown, New York. And, uh, I, you know, I always have to tell people this, like we're 90 minutes South of Buffalo. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, depending where you're listening to this, either, either you get it or not. I mean, if you live in a in a major city, you probably don't, but if you li- if you're somebody who either lives in a small town or a suburb of somewhere or something, you end up doing that thing where you're like, I, I live X amount, you know, I, I live 30 minutes or, you know, 30 miles from St. Louis, or I live, 90 minutes west of wherever, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. And uh, one of the coolest things I got to say, when uh, when Greg got on the phone, he saw my uh, 716 area code. And so I was calling from Jamestown and he was like, are you really in Jamestown? And like he knew right away and you just heard at the end of that, if you heard him say, uh, watch me, watch me when I'm traveling over the Desi Lucy uh bridge he's a uh, he's referencing a, a bridge uh lucille ball who's from jamestown there's a there's a lucy desi bridge over uh interstate 86 that goes right past jamestown and uh he knew he knew the area he knew jamestown and like truly including when he dropped that knowledge when he dropped when he referenced the bridge like i knew he actually knew where we were which again it's just so funny because just i i nine times out of ten when I'm interviewing someone and, you know, they ask where I'm at or where the radio station's at and all that stuff, they don't know Jamestown. I mean, they'll know they'll know Buffalo and they'll know the area a little better when I tell them that we're near Buffalo. But, like, 
very rarely do I find someone who has uh, – I've had a couple people who have performed here. I remember Tony Scalzo from Fastball said that they did do like an acoustic show in Jamestown once. Um, but, yeah, it, we're just normally not a place that uh, people know right away where you're talking about. But I, it was so amazing that of all people, Greg Graffin did. Because I kind of was one – like because, again, like I knew he lived like, like Ithaca's a good like three hours from here, three, three and a half hours – so, like, you know, he doesn't live terribly far away, but still, we're not, like, a, a major, major city. We're on the smaller side, and, uh, you know, I, I thought we were maybe too far away where he would even know, so I wasn't even going to ask him, really, about, you know, if he knew where I was, but he, I didn't have to. It was, like, the first thing out of his mouth when we got on the phone, so, uh, I mean, so insanely cool to uh, talk to him, but I cannot recommend Punk Paradox enough, and I got to tell you, when you get to the chapter with the no effects and blink 82 thing that I referenced in the interview, you'll be laughing your ass off. Like I was, it was, it was one of the funniest things. And I, I love blink 182, but, uh, the, the story that Greg has is just, is just so good. It's just so funny. I, I, I love it, but the book is great. I mean, reading, uh, reading more about his life before bad religion and stuff. Cause he's, he's talked about it in some of his other books. Like he'll inject his personal life, in uh, some of his other books, but you know, he's talking about like religion and science and stuff and reading the memoir and just getting straight up, you know, this is his life and this is the way he's done. Everything is a uh, really good. And I, again, like I was jumping around, but like he was talking about like sellout culture of the nineties and them signing to the major labels and, you know, I mean, his divorce and just all, all these different, uh, all these different things throughout the years that, uh, I'm really excited to keep reading it. And it, it's a, it's a long book. It's like 300 something pages. So, uh, I'm excited to get into that. And I know I got to go back. I never did read that, uh, bad religion book that came out a couple years ago and I gotta go back and read that. But, um, yeah, really cool. I mean, I don't got to tell you that you're listening to this. You, you know how goddamn cool it is that I've got to talk to Greg Graff in a bad religion. I'm smiling saying it's very cool. He, uh, he goes in that, he goes in that category of people. That I'm like, goddamn, I can't believe I interviewed them. So that was very cool. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, our first interview, our first power court hour interview since, uh, September. So what a strong, I thought that was a pretty strong one to come back on. You know, I know the last two episodes have been solo episodes, but I was like, this is, this is quite a guest to get back on, which is funny too. Cause I gotta tell you when I got back, um, I was, I was emailing a bunch of people trying to book guests to, uh, you know, get it, get it going again. And, uh, for a minute there, I really didn't seem to have people getting back to me. And then of all people to get back to me, um, the, uh, his, whoever, whoever, uh, the booking agency, you know, that, uh, that handles all that stuff for Greg got back to me and, uh, you know, w- again, was not really expecting it. I was kind of like, well, I know he has a book coming out. I'll see, maybe there's a chance. And then wouldn't you know it? Hey, here you go. You can, you can talk to Greg. So, uh, yeah, really cool there. And we will keep the uh, momentum going with uh, punk rock singing legends, because uh, next week I'll be back with uh, Blake Dahlia. And I did already record it. And a uh, really, really fun time talking to him. That one is longer. That one, I think we talked a good hour or so. So uh, we'll, have, we'll have kind of a more uh, long-form interview for you next week. But uh, Blake is up to a bunch as well, too. And I, I really had a blast talking to him. He was, uh, he was really cool and really funny. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that one. I mean, I, I feel like, too, it's in the, it's in the realm. I mean, if you, if you enjoy Bad Religion... Yeah, probably enjoy the dwarves. So we will uh, be back next week with that one. But until then, go follow the uh, podcast online. We're at Power Chord Hour 
on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow. Give us a like. All that good stuff, if you would. Um, What else? Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this right now. And, uh, oh, man, powercordhour at gmail.com. You can email me, whatever. Hit me up there. That is where you'll find me. And uh, I always forget. Well, I don't always forget, but a lot of times I do. We do still have Power Court Hour stickers. So hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. They're absolutely free. I would love to send you some. Um, In the show notes, if you'd like, it does help out a lot. You know, if you'd like to donate, we have a link to uh, our PayPal and our Cash App. So uh, if you'd like to send a few bucks our way, it does help out a lot. I got a, you know, we got monthly fees and everything for this here pod. So I won't, I won't be getting filthy rich off your money, but you will help keep us afloat, which is greatly appreciated. And uh, if you want to listen to the radio show, that is every Friday night on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York, a place that Greg Graffin knows. And I got to tell you all, too, when the interview was done, I did invite him. I did tell him, hey, WRFA's here in Jamestown, and if you're ever coming through and you need a, a studio or a station for something, it is all yours. I, I feel like everyone who... Uh, who works at WRFA would, would not be uh, against having him in. So uh, who knows? Maybe I would love to try to get him in uh, at some point. I'll have to like keep that in mind. Just maybe, you know, maybe like Bad Religion is starting a tour and I know he'll be going over the uh, Lucy Desi Bridge and coming right through Jamestown. Maybe there'll be a way to uh, lure him in to uh, WRFA and uh, get the legend that he is in studio. That would be very, very cool. But uh, yeah, new radio shows every Friday night, eight to midnight. P or not P Eastern PM Eastern. I guess you know that by midnight, though. I don't think I need to say midnight PM. And actually, that's AM. But uh, anyway, eight to midnight Eastern Standard Time every Friday night on 107.9 WRFA, and uh, you can stream the station online. Just go to wrfalp.com. And you'll see the listen button. And uh, I always appreciate people. I, I appreciate people listening here in Jamestown. But uh, I definitely appreciate people listening all over the world, including people in other time zones. That's, uh, you know, I, I realize, too, with the radio show that it's it's a little more, uh, you know, demanding of your time. You know, with this, you can listen whenever you want. With the radio show, you got to listen Friday during, you know, that four-hour window. So I appreciate that, and we play a bunch of music. I uh, Oh, you know what? Actually, it's kind of cool. This week, I'm going to play uh, I'm gonna play No Control and Suffer, both front to back, after the interview. And then a bunch of other music as well, a bunch of Bad Religion and a bunch of other stuff. I, uh, I also celebrated last week on the radio show, since I knew we were having Greg on and Blag as well, um, since both of them Epitaph artists, or I guess the Dwarves formally, but the Dwarves put out a few things on Epitaph. I did a uh, all Epitaph Records uh, playlist on the radio show last week. And that's the other thing, too. Actually, if you want to hear everything I played on that, you can go to Spotify, and I put up playlists every week from the radio show. So if you can't tune in, but you want to see what I play, I play like 60-plus songs a week. Again, I have four hours, so I play a shit ton of music. But uh, if you want to see what I play and listen to it, go to uh, Spotify and search Power Chord Hour, and you'll find like hundreds of playlists there. I've been putting them up there for years now. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've been at it for a very long time. But, uh, yeah, that is going to be it. The next time I am on here, actually, I will be a uh, old-ass 30-year-old. 
actually. My uh, birthday is coming up at the end of this week. That's the other thing. That's why you gotta. That's why you gotta um, donate to a show cost because my birthday is coming up. So don't be a greedy bastard. You can throw me a couple dollars. It's the least you can do. I just interviewed Greg Graffin for you. I did it. I did all the heavy lifting. All you did was listen to me interview Greg Graffin. You didn't even have to ask him any questions. So I think the least you could do is uh, go donate a few dollars. But uh, yeah, next uh, next week I will. Uh, I'll have. I'll now be a thirty year old. Actually, I'll have recorded it probably before my birthday, which is Sunday. Because I'm probably not going to be recording a podcast on my birthday. I'll probably get that shit done while I'm still 29. So I, I don't know. I guess I guess that's up to you in your opinion. It'll come out when I'm 30, but I'll probably record it before I'm 30. But uh, anyway, however you look at it, I'll be back next week with Black Dahlia of the Dwarves. We'll keep the uh, punk rock legend guests going. And uh, yeah, for the Power Court Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>